Matthew chapter uh, 13. Tonight we're going to look at um, verses 24 through 30. I'm going to look at another uh, parable here. So Matthew uh, chapter 13, beginning in verse uh, 24. Before we hear God's word, if you would, uh, join your hearts together uh, with me in prayer. Please pray with me, friends. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel of grace and uh, for the way in which, in your divine wisdom, you have chosen to reveal uh, this work of salvation through your Son, through a proclaimed message. And so we pray, Father, that as this message goes out, as the gospel is proclaimed, as your word is read and preached, we pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts. We pray that you would cause us to stand firm in the truth that we have attained and that we might uh, press on towards the resurrection. Father, grant us your grace to persevere through all trials in this world and I do this through the ministry of your word and your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Beloved, this is the word of God. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of God. Well, Jesus tells another parable here in the parable of the sower. He did not say anything about, initially about the kingdom of heaven. Only later in his explanation to his disciples did he refer to the kingdom. His disciples asked him why he spoke in parables. And he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Then also in his explanation of the first parable, Jesus said, hear then the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So He makes it very explicit there afterwards that these parables deal with the kingdom of heaven. And so again, it's obvious in these answers to his disciples that the parables give lessons about the kingdom of heaven. And they did so in a manner that was somewhat cloaked. It was somewhat couched in the symbols of the parable. And in that way, those who did not believe, those who did not have eyes to see and ears to hear, they couldn't peer into the meaning of of the parable. Nevertheless, though, these parables reveal something about the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Jesus even calls these revelations of truth about the kingdom secrets. And so there's, there's a measure of hiddenness to 
speaking in parables. But here, in another parable given to the crowds, Jesus explicitly states that this parable is about the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. And then he goes into this parable. And so if you've ever wondered, or if you wondered tonight, what is the kingdom of heaven? You won't really find a direct answer in the Bible. There isn't a verse that you can point to that says the kingdom of heaven is. Rather, what we get are allusions to what the kingdom of heaven is like, like this parable here. And so the Bible does tell us about the kingdom of heaven, but perhaps in a more indirect way. And one of, one of the ways it does this is through uh, parables. Up until this point in Matthew, we have learned that the kingdom of heaven is something that has come. It is something that has come because the king of the kingdom has come, Jesus Christ. Both John the Baptist and Jesus preached this reality. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It's at hand. It is upon us. It's upon the world. We've also learned that the Holy Spirit's power and work is an integral part of this coming kingdom. Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the work of the Spirit is associated with the coming of the kingdom. This kingdom that has come is advancing and is advancing is intimately tied up with the person and work of the king of the kingdom, Jesus Christ, and it is intimately tied up with the work and movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've learned so far. Those who attempt then to resist Jesus Christ, his person and or his message in any generation, or those who attempt to resist the movement of the Spirit, resist the coming of the kingdom. Those who seek to put roadblocks in front of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven in this world, which is us, which is us growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, resist the coming of the kingdom. In fact, they resist God himself. That is why earlier Jesus had mentioned to blaspheme the spirit is to blaspheme God himself. It's an unforgivable uh, sin. That is what the Pharisees were doing. We've also seen that the kingdom of, God, kingdom of God is a realm where God's will is done. You think about the Lord's Prayer. What do we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is a place where God's will is done. Wherever you see God's moral law being obeyed, and wherever you see Christ being magnified through that obedience, there you see the kingdom of heaven. There you see the kingdom making itself known and advancing in the world. Thus, you, church, are part of this kingdom. And in some ways, you are the kingdom because you do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Here in this parable, we see descriptions of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus uses more farming imagery here. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a man, a farmer, who sowed good seed in his field. Now, it's important for us to see in this parable that the focus is not so much on the sower, the seed, or even the field itself. In the first parable, the emphasis was primarily on the soil, the different soils. 
or different kinds of soil. Here the emphasis is on the plants that grow up, not the seed or soil, but the plants that grow up. Not so much the final harvest right before the wheat is gathered, though this is mentioned in this parable, uh, but the field itself. And so there's a harvest field where a farmer sows seed. These seeds, they grow sprouts. They go into the soil and they grow and they grow and mature. They grow sprouts. And then later on, there's a time for the harvest. Jesus says, at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds and the wheat. Now, of course, there are two different destinations for the weeds and for the wheat. The weeds, on the one hand, will be burned. That is where they're headed. The wheat will be gathered into the master sower's barn, collected and used for good use. So there are two points, there are two points in time. The initial sowing of the seed and then harvest time. Now, what is the crop like in between? That's what this parable deals with. So there's the initial sowing, there's the end of the harvest, and then there's the in-between where all, all that's been planted grows. What happens or what is it like between those times? Well, ideally, the workers want to wake up after sleeping and after sowing seeds and find nothing but good sprouts, good plants. That's ideally what they want to see. They've done their work, they've sowed the seeds, they go to sleep. It would be nice to wake up, to look on this beautiful field, and it's just covered in good wheat. That's the idea, that's the goal. What the, this is not, however, what they find when they wake up and go and look out into the fields. Now, what the listener knows and what the sower's men do not know is that the sower of the seed has an enemy. And this enemy hates the sower. He hates the sower and he wants to see the sower's crop destroyed. That is a reality for this sower. And during the night, this enemy of the sower stealthily comes and sows seed himself, just like the master sower. The master sower sows seed and so does his enemy. And so he mimics the activity of the master sower. He replicates it on, in, a, in a certain way. But this enemy is not sowing good seed like the master sower. He's simply mimicking. He's not in league with the master sower. He's not one of his friends. He's his enemy. He's not sowing good seed. He's sowing weeds. Now this particular seed that's uh, that is planted here by the enemy. It's probably a kind of weed that when it grows looks something like the wheat or the grain from the good seed. And so it's at first glance maybe not so easy to tell them apart. It looks very similar uh, to the good, to the good uh, plants, the good wheat. And so the bad seed and the weeds, or the bad seed and the weeds that grow also mimic the good wheat. So the Enemy mimics the master sower and the, even the plants that he plants mimic the good weed. And so there's lots of mimicking going on from the enemy and those who are part of his group. But this is not good grain. It may appear that way for a moment, but it's not good grain. These are weeds. Now if we think about the weeds in the first parable, if there's enough of them, the weeds choke out the good seed. They destroy the crop. 
Now make no mistake then, friends, the enemy places the weeds in the midst of the good seed in an attempt to destroy the whole crop. That's the goal, that the weeds would take over. He wants the field for himself. He wants to look out in the field and see his children, as it were, his plants, his weeds, take over the entire field. This is what the sower's men are afraid of, probably. After they tell the master about the weeds, they ask him, do you want us to go and gather them up? Meaning, do you want us to go uproot the weeds and burn them so we can purify the entire crop? So that there is no more danger of the crop being overtaken by the weeds. Should we do that, Master? You can understand their intent. They're afraid. They see the weeds. They're concerned about the the whole crop. We could lose this whole crop. Should we take them up and, and burn them? The sower says no. He says, leave it the way it is. Let them let them both grow together. There's a danger in possibly mistaking, uprooting, mistakenly uprooting the good grain, because they do look similar. If you try to prematurely separate the good from the bad, let them both grow together. The sower says to his men, let the weeds and the good grain grow together. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. Now what happens at harvest time? At harvest time, the sower will call another group of workers, the reapers. Verse 30. He says, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds, burn them, and then gather the good weed and put the good wheat into the barn. Set it apart for good use. It belongs to me. Burn the rest. Now, of course, the full explanation of this parable is given later. And so uh, we'll look at that. We'll look at this again. And there Jesus says that the sower in the parable represents himself, the son of man. The sower is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. The field that he sows seed in represents or symbolizes the world. He says the whole world. The good seed, the good wheat, is the church, the true church. He calls calls them the sons of the kingdom. The enemy is the devil and the weeds are those who follow the devil. They are the sons of the evil one. So they are people who follow the devil And the good wheat are people who follow Jesus Christ. These sons of the evil one are the hypocrites, or would certainly include the hypocrites and the antichrist figures in the church, or growing up very close to the church. They are there to kill, steal, and destroy, just like their father, the devil. They want what he wants. Looked at in this And so again, we'll look at this later, but what what can we take from this for now? What can we take from this parable uh, for now until we look at it again a little bit later? Well, first thing is this. The sower in the parable is sovereign over the whole field, and he's all-knowing. He gives an immediate explanation for the weeds. An enemy has done this. His workers are somewhat unaware of what has happened. He knows what is going on. He knows it. While his workers sleep, he knows all things. Uh, The devil is active in the world, for sure, and even in the church. Revelation 12 says this, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. The devil is 
cast down to earth awaiting his final judgment. But he's here. He's active. His wickedness knows no bounds. He sneaks in while workers are sleeping and he plants killer weeds. He's out to destroy and he'll use any means necessary to do so. I'll wait till everyone's asleep and then I'll sneak in and do this evil work. But he is a chained dragon. He is active, yes, but he is chained. He's on a leash. He is bound. He has limits. And his time of judgment is coming. It's certain. It's sure. Who sets those limits for this chained dragon? Well, it's, of course, Jesus Christ, the master sower. He sets the limits. He says, let them both grow together. Meaning, on one level, the weeds will not destroy the good wheat. They will not take over the field. They cannot. The good wheat will grow. There will be a harvest. They will grow to full maturity. I will take my good wheat at the end of the age. They're not ultimately threatened by the weeds that grow right next to them. The wheat will grow and be protected and ultimately be gathered up. And so Jesus is all-knowing and he is sovereign over the church. He protects us from the evil one. He's not blind to what happens in the church, near the church, in the world. These things that threaten the work of the church, Jesus is in control. Let them both grow together. The second thing is this. The men in the parable want to separate the good from the bad. That's their goal. But that's not their job, ultimately. That job belongs to the master of the house. And belongs to his reapers. At the end of the age, I will tell my reapers to do the final separation. Jesus is the master sower and he is the master separator. Verse 30, at harvest time, I will tell the reapers to separate the weeds from the wheat. I will do this, Jesus says. The workers have good intentions. They want to see the crop purified. They want to see just good wheat. It's not their job, though, ultimately, to do the purification. That job belongs to the master sower. Now, beloved, this is what the church can expect to experience until the end of the age. That's the lesson for us. True believers will always grow up together with hypocrites and sons of the devil. They'll always be there. Let them both grow together until harvest time meaning they will always be present among us or near us. Now this is not to say, and of course there will always be wickedness in the world, in the greater field, the world. Uh, we, we won't see the world purified until, of wickedness until the end of the age. And that's, that's another lesson for us as well. But this is true for the church. This is not to say in the life of the church, in terms of dealing with hypocrites and antichrist figures, now, this is not to say that we should be suspicious as Christians of people around us in our local bodies. That is not at all what we should be like or think like. No, you are the wheat. We are the good wheat. You look around, you are ne growing up next to good wheat that Jesus himself has sown. You grow up together with other good wheat. And yes, every now and then, the devil will plant a weed or two among us. That is certainly true. But what is perhaps more of a consistent experience for us as a local body 
is that our local body and other assemblies of true believers in Christ, we will live and grow in this life right next to false churches. I think that's more of a consistent experience for us. That that we can look down the street and identify what is most likely a false church. One that does not preach the gospel. one One that does not administer discipline properly. And so... This is what we can expect as a church. These false churches, they will mimic the activity of true churches. They may have some scripture read in their services. They may have a sermon or what looks like a sermon, but the gospel is not preached. They sing some of the same songs, but at root, they belong to the devil. They are synagogues of Satan. Now, we again, we may know which ones they are by what they do. You can, pretty much every church has a website And you can listen to the messages and somewhat identify where they're coming from and and ascertain from those websites who is actually trying to preach the gospel and who's mimicking true churches. And so what do we do if we we know about them? And often they they grow to be very uh, large. They seem to be very successful in that way. Their congregations are huge in the thousands and even Ten thousands sometimes. So what do we do with them? We burn down their buildings? As uh, Jesus' workers were saying here, do you want us to uproot these weeds and uh, get rid of them? Well, Jesus says no, let them grow together. Now this does not mean, friends, that we never have to address sin in the body. It does not mean that we never have to address sin from hypocrites and false teachers. It does not mean that we never expose heresy that we never expose false teaching and immorality. Certainly, we, we do need to do that at times. We are called to do that. But for the most part, we are called to care for the wheat. Care for the other good wheat among you. Help them grow up. Help them mature. Pray for them. Don't be as concerned about the weeds. Think about the wheat. You and I, those of us here, are growing up next to each other, sons of the kingdom, Look out for one another as we grow up together. We all grow up together with evil and hypocritical people, people who even are so bold as to put Christian on their activity, on their worship. This is who we're right next to. These are our neighbors. And yet, some of them are weeds. And so we need, we need to encourage one another in this, these difficult, in this difficult age where weeds and wheat grow together. Lastly, friends, let us remember who heard this teaching. Jesus' true disciples and Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot heard this parable. Judas was, in a way, a weed planted by the evil one. He betrayed Jesus, which ultimately led to Christ's crucifixion for us. Now, if Christ endured that, letting that weed grow until the appointed time, if Christ endured that to make us part of his kingdom, he will protect us and he will keep us in his kingdom until the last day.